Rattle. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the all-new Turin Giants podcast. This time, episode number 215. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube. You unfortunately cannot see the face of one of our guests, but that's what he does, and that never really stopped people from listening to him. My name is Farhad. I'm the host that loves you most. This is the second attempt at a podcast. And Rav, thanks for coming back, man. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing such a huge favor because I fucked up with the audio. Anyways, it's, let's do a little roll so call. It's, thank you, man. Thank you, Rob. We've got Rob joining us from across the pond. We have Dash. We have Lucas and myself. We're very excited. We will have a special guest coming very soon. Uh, his name is Jack Gallagher. And that sounds like a made-up name. I don't think he's real. Uh, he, he wrote an article about the situation with the sporting director at Juve, which a lot of people are very interested in by hearing. He will be joining us a little later. Uh, before we get into the serious, serious episode, let's do a, a little drink, drink roll call. I'm sipping on some coffee. What you sipping? I have a good, a, a lovely Stella Artois from Belgium. It's like the, uh-huh. the go-to, the go-to beer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what you're drinking there. A uh, cup of uh, hopes and dreams, but it's kind of empty right now. So uh, oh, no. I have to break it to you guys. Darn. Oh, snap. <laughs> what's up lucas how you doing buddy good good i got some decaf coffee and oh then some God. ag1 <laughs> we need to mute his ass <clears throat> I, I saw i saw a meme some some while ago uh what's the two best times to drink decaf coffee never and nowhere or something like that but anyways we understand you have a weak heart with i don't know I already had my my mushroom coffee right before, so I didn't want to get too oh caffeinated. Well, I got so. mushroom coffee. Mushroom, I, I think that's a Midwest thing. That's a Midwest thing. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> He's tripping balls right now. Of course, <laughs> Alessandro Belpiero will chime in. He's the boss of this podcast. There's nobody above Alessandro Belpiero. Um, Rav, before we get into the UV stuff, you need to tell us about your adventure in the in the greatest goddamn country on earth. How was your how was your trip to America, buddy? It it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I think I know you guys said you're going to freaking Oklahoma. I was like, yeah. And it lived up to every one of my expectations. Americans are super friendly, even if they don't like you, they are friendly and polite. The, the best best freaking customer service I've had in my life. The Food was huge and amazing, and I put on a lot of weight, and I freaking loved every pound of it. Uh, yeah, just just had a great time. I'm looking forward to to coming back sometime soon. So that was that was the political answer. If you guys want to hear Rams <laughs> like actual answer, I got it right you here. You should have heard him offline. No, I know you should hear him offline, but this is. So I asked him, asked him on Twitter, guys. I was like, Rav, what's your thoughts? He's like this. <laughs> That's right. Freaking <laughs> red coats over here. I know. Coming hey. to our country, stealing our <laughs> women. Yeah, that southern hospitality. You even got Rev guys. You know, come uh, in yeah. here, get, get you some nice Oklahoma barbecue. Get you some oh, stuff here. Get you some the barbecue. Fry, some potatoes, All of it, man. Amazing. Sweet, sweet baby <laughs> rays. I mean, the, the, back in the day, we, you know, in America, the big portions were. We're, we're normal because people will take them. We'll, we'll take them to go. 
but then people realize I can just finish the whole plate. And I literally have people visiting from Europe. <laughs> and one of one of my friends thought the 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 big the big cup of Coke. He thought it was for the table, and he thought you know we would get the smaller cups to pour it in. But no, no, that's 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 us. Um, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, okay. It's, it's, it's how it is. Our, our good friends from Europe, you come to the United States, we fatten you up before we send you back. So uh, you've been. And we're grateful warned. for it. We are grateful <laughs> for every single sip, every single mouthful. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Come for the Statue of Liberty, leave for the diabetes. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> stay for the you, diabetes. We send you with a mock version of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence that you right. get. <laughs> just send wrapped, you back home. Wrapped around a Pepsi can. We just. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing we require is if you tell us if you have any oil. That's it, and we're good. <laughs> Which y'all don't. Sadly not. <laughs> All right, guys. We got a few questions from Twitter here, and thank you. Thank you guys for the new questions, but since we couldn't record yesterday, we'll kind of run through the questions because uh, Rob is unfortunately limited on time. So we'll, uh, we'll ask him a few questions here. So uh, Patrick was asking yesterday about uh, Rabio. I know he says that Rav likes his French Duke Rabiot, but what are your thoughts on bringing him back? Uh, I, I gotta say, just <laughs> feel I need to clarify my my love for Rabiot is is very much tongue in cheek. So it, it's <laughs> I appreciate the guy a hundred percent, but in terms of keeping him for another season, like I was saying yesterday, I think that is money that can go elsewhere. That is money that we need for for different things. I think. He wants, apparently he wants like 10 million euros a season or something like that, which seems just too high considering that we are, I mean, we're not broke or anything like that, but we're financially up against it. So um, my my general opinion is let him go, let him go somewhere else. And we have, you know, three or four young midfielders coming through right now and, and we can, I know that they're not ready to, to sort of take over yet, but I'd sort of do that then, then keep Rabio. I don't know if you guys agree, but... Uh, I, I failed to uh, introduce people to Rav's uh, Twitter page, which is uh, Juve News Live. Mm -hmm. um, amazing. You, you do an amazing work. Makes oh, me, thanks, made man. me unfollow a bunch of, a bunch of other news pages. <laughs> um, but from what you're hearing, and, and I know mm -hmm. I asked you yesterday about the most reliable sources, mm -hmm. and we'll get into that. But speaking mm -hmm. of reliable sources, I know something about... Um, uh, Sergey Milinkovic-Savic popped up a few days ago. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I mean, at this point, I mean, we, we've been at, after him for what, four years or something like that, right? At Forever. this point, are you, are you sensing anything that's actually going to happen? All the reports that have come through are from places like, no disrespect, but they're from places that I, I wouldn't particularly trust. I mean, I share the news because... You know, I'm hoping deep inside that maybe he does come, but it's from places like Calcio Mercato and like Tutto Mercato Web and places like that, which are more unreliable than reliable. So I would never go by any of those. But gotcha. Uh, yeah. So, I'm so just give us waiting. give us top three sources that are mm -hmm. kind of hinky. Um, like I was saying, I think it's changed a lot. We, me and Tarek, put together a guide about five or six years back, and that one was pretty accurate but so much of that has changed but i would say top of the pile is probably romeo agresti who's who's just brilliant he he sort of breaks a lot of news before anyone else he, he sort of knows his stuff um there's a guy who writes for gazetta who 
uh, is always pretty accurate. Giovanni Albanese, he's, he's got a pretty good track record. And I think if you kind of want to combine the third position, I would go with like Sky Italia and Fabrizio Romano. And I know that they get a lot of their news from other places, but they tend to get it only when they know that something is definitely happening. They don't really like to get it wrong. So those are kind of my, my top three. Oh, and what I would about, also what, mention... What about some just, of what? less than reliable sources? Can you tell uh, us to avoid... What, what did you by the way? What did you call uh, Sun newspaper in your in your description? Ah, oh, it's toilet roll, man. That's the worst. It is just the it's the absolute biggest pile of shit. That newspaper. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would say, you know what? I'll I'll dig out the the reliability chart and I'll update it because I think out of that, there's maybe about three or four places that are reliable these days. The rest is just absolute shit. Well, you 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 mentioned also yesterday that. There's a newspaper that actually yeah, made up their uh, act, right? Tutor Sport. They used to be dreadful. They used to be like messy to Juve is, is possible, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And you're like, mm, okay. But they have gotten better and they have cleaned up their act a little bit. There's less of that sensationalist stuff and they're kind of more on the money. And again, they try and only introduce stuff when they think there's a, a good chance of it happening. And they've really like really seriously reigned in the, the wild rumors. So uh, I, I give them respect. They're doing a better job than they okay. used to, I think. Okay. Mm. Boys, anything, any questions? Let's, let's talk a little bit about Bologna. I know we kind of that missed that one day mark, uh, but if you guys can chime in with your thoughts on uh, Ealing Jr. while I pull up his stats from the game. Um, yeah, what did you guys think about the game? Yeah, totally. We can talk about it. Uh, guys, if you want a more in-depth, Dave and I go like 50 minutes right after the game for an instant reaction on the YouTube if you guys want to check that out. But the thing is, is like, I think we've kind of agreed on this team and a lot of people also, I, I want to say more credible Juve commentators instead of there's some that I don't really rely as credible. But I think you, we kind of come to the understanding with the next gen and the youth. It's a double-edged sword. You get the spark, but you also run the risk of the errors that come with it. So again, Illing and Sule great five minutes honestly when they first came in totally changed the game but then again you have i call him the reaper of ankles illing jr where he absolutely sent two guys to the shadow realm with just filthy cuts um the thing is is like did everything right but the finish wasn't there i uh loved the chance creation for the first goal same thing with sule where it's like you got to get into basics uh when it comes to it where touch slot through you can say you can argue the same thing about fajoli it's it's understandable, and I think Allegri mentioned it in his post game interview, where he's like, "Hey, look, I'm not throwing these kids under the bus. You know, it's understandable. They're youngsters. They're young. Stuff like this happens." Um, I think that's one of the things where it's like the shining light uh, with Bologna. But for me, the one thing that really kind of irritates me is just, and we covered this. I think we covered this on Saturday, where we broke down over the statistics of Juve's attacks we keep attacking through the left. We have to start doing stuff through the right side because Kostic's legs were gone. Like you saw it where Kiesa accidentally nutmegged Kostic, where Kostic misread the ball or something. It goes through his legs. and You see him fall down, and I'm like, this dude needs a sub. And I don't mean it disrespectively at all. Kostic has been a baller, but the problem is, is that, and this is partially to blame on Allegri, also partially to blame on some of the players as well, where you look at it and instinctively, 
everyone just keeps pouring on to that left side. Like, for example, in my opinion, my opinion, folks, I don't think Kostic and Chiesa can both play on the left side of the field because they're kind of like the dance partners with that can't synchronize with each other. Because it's a bit crowded with two of it them. Seems, right? It seems crowded with both of them. And then, like, for example, you look at some of the plays, the crosses that happened in that game. Chiesa hogging that left side leaves Milik to cover the near post and then the far post, which... I've seen so many times, and I think we can all pull videos on Twitter where there's balls going into the far post and there's no one there. And the closest person that's there is Quadrado, who's at the 18-yard box. And the thing is, is like, you can't, for me, I can't throw Quadrado under the bus for that because Quadrado isn't supposed to be covering the far post. Usually when you're running a two-striker set, one watches the near, the other one watches the far. But with Di Maria and Chiesa, where they're not naturally good support strikers, they're kind of all over the place, and that's kind of like the the negative to Allegri's creative freedom for those two, where instead of having them disciplined on one spot, because you see it, Milik and Vlahovic and even Moise uh, hog that near post, and there's no one there for the far post. So if I'm a defending team, stack the left, or stack my right side, because Juve is attacking through the left, stack my right, force a cross over to nobody and then ball gets recycled or etc so if you guys notice it in the clips uh especially the first half and up towards the equalizer we're spamming everything through the left send crosses over and then corrado's kind of stuck in no man's land where he's like do i go for it because if i go for it i leave us vulnerable at the back because costage and kids are already both pushing up you just have this huge gap of space there and it's just honestly that's been the recurring theme for april Gotcha. Yeah, man. A lot of, I mean, we mentioned yesterday that there was a hundred. By the way, we don't know how true that is. Oh, our guest is here. I'm going to, we're going to let Jack in while we finish our thought. We'll be right with you, my friend. Hello. Um, yeah, we mentioned yesterday that we couldn't figure out if the Juve actually used a hundred different formations or their players were just used in different, different spaces, which get also that's, Nobody can really check that, so we'll we'll kind of like leave that with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were we were talking about how uh, we haven't seen like a true starting lineup since the last season of Allegri. You know, Sarri was playing around. Pirlo had thirty eight different um, combinations of lineups, and then you you saw Allegri again with all these injuries as well, having a hard time being able to find like a set eleven guys. Yeah. Well, Jack, welcome. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet hey, you. Jack. How are you all doing? Good. How about you? Good, Jack. Hope you're doing good. We should I'm probably okay. let you know. This is going on YouTube. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm grand. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, all good. Awesome. Jack, uh, Jack Gallagher, he has one of the coolest Twitter Twitter names I've ever seen. Um, at Calcio Loves Jack. If you want to follow him. Uh, it's so funny because yesterday we, we tried to record with Rav and your article popped up literally five minutes before we started recording and he posted it on his Twitter. And then he said, I was like, can we get Jack on the, on the podcast? He said, yeah, you know, we've kept, we kind of were in touch. I don't know how good you guys know each other, but there's, there's kind of, kind of a relationship. Uh, yeah. Know, maybe, long, maybe, long. Maybe, maybe Rob made it up in his head, but uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're kind of a friend of a podcast now. So welcome. Oh, well, it's nice to be a friend of something, so it is. Yeah, we, uh, go, we go way way back early, early, early UV Twitter days. Exactly, back when I was yeah. on Twitter, yeah. Uh, where, are you, where, where are you joining us from? Because we literally spoke on 
Twitter for like a day. I don't know <laughs> oh, yeah. anything about you. Uh, so I uh, live in Ireland, so I do. A place called Derry in Ireland. I don't know if you've watched that Derry Gares TV show, but I live there where that was. Oh, awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I've seen that. <laughs> it's a great show. It's, it's a great show. talk. We don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> uh, it's on Netflix. Yeah, awesome. I'd recommend it. I'd recommend it. So, so, so you clearly specialize in the world of culture but is what's your what's your primary team that you focus on or do you just do all of them uh so yeah so i'm more general um across european football in general so um i actually do some transfer stuff um would mainly focus on uh the italian league for that and then outside of that um i do like a lot of editorial stuff and off the website as well so do have you ever been to the stadium to the u.s stadium I haven't actually. I haven't. It's on the bucket list, so it is. The few times that I've seen Juventus um, in person have all been in England, so they have. So I think the the most memorable one was probably when they played Spurs at at uh, Wembley when Dybala oh, yeah. scored and Higuain <laughs> scored. That was a great one. And um, the first one I ever went to was a really random one. It was uh, when they played Sunderland. Um, and it was back when they just got promoted from CRB back in those days. I think it's probably when that uh, training top uh, training jersey is probably from oh, Farhat. It's probably that year. Yeah, yeah, it's probably that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think uh, Christian Molinaro scored in that game. Oh so. my goodness! Yeah, my God, that's awesome. Well, well what you're a player! Overdue, you're overdue for a trip, man. Let, let us know how we can help. Um, we know a bunch of people there at the stadium, including one of our guys who lives in Turin, and he he has the. Uh, season ticket he will help you out i don't know about oh, financially yeah. but we'll literally get you there we'll we'll walk you in i don't know about oh, the financial please. part of it we're not <laughs> yeah. that big yet we're not that big yet <laughs> <laughs> anyway so so before we get into the whole article about the sporting director and and the, the movement around there allegri trying to get into that spot we will we will grill you all about that i wanted to bring up something we discussed at length yesterday so, for example, our form, Juve's form in the last 10 games, 10 or 8 games roughly, it's, it, it varies. The stats vary here. So we have one win in 8 games, which I personally do not remember last time we did that. Um, we have not scored multiple goals in 10 games, more than one. And we have 14 defeats all season. I remember that I'm old enough to remember when we had three three defeats all season and now we're coming up on 14 uh what's going on jack are you hearing anything any inside sources just give us a little bit of a, a, wow us this is your audience for the next podcast <laughs> i don't know how go wow he's but um the main one i've heard is um how unhappy vlajevic is right now with the situation and it seems pretty certain that if allegri stays on as manager, then he'll be pretty actively trying to force a move away in the summer. Um, and it feels like there's been a lot of reports quite similar to that about a lot of different players. We've seen the ones about uh, Di Maria there the other day. I've seen some things about Chiesa as well. And it feels like it's very much the manager versus all of the best players and all the players you would actually want to stay at the club next season. It's I think they're kind of at a point now where perhaps they're looking and thinking, well, what do we, who do we back? Do we continue to back Allegri, which I think has been the long-term plan and it's been 
very much like we need consistency and we need someone to be there for a long time to build around. But if you have so many players that you're also looking to build around who don't want to be there while this manager's there, then tough decisions have to be made. Well, I mean, backing your manager is good for short term when he needs it. When we are seeing no improvement, it, it gets to them. It's, it's It must be weighing on them. I mean, everything rests on Europa League right now. I feel like I feel like the decisions will become a little more um, concrete once we play that first first leg. Which I don't know. I don't have much hope for that. Maybe we'll go for a draw. But 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 anyways, you, are 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 you seeing the concrete movements, or is it just hearsay from like Dybala? I mean, uh, Vlaovic wants to move away. Are you seeing something concretely more now? It's more from his representatives that are trying to mm. put feelers out. I think they've been they've been quite active. We've had a few reports over the past few months where um, his representatives are quite keen to move him, um, mm. and perhaps feel that that decision to go there in the first place was probably the wrong move. He did have two big options last January, and he picked Juventus over Arsenal. And when you look at where Juventus are now, and you look at where Arsenal are now. It's pretty easy from his perspective to look and think, why did I do that? Why did I bother picking Juventus when mm-hmm. Arsenal now seem like they have an identity? They have a young squad that he would fit in perfectly for and things. And yeah, it just it feels like um, a player like Vlajevic is someone that obviously hasn't played well recently. Obviously, his confidence is completely dipped and stuff, but the talent is definitely there. And you would like to think that if you went and backed Vlajevic and Kesa and co over back in Allegri long term, you're probably going to get more out of a Vlajevic and a Kesa than you are out of Allegri long term because mm-hmm. we he's had two years. We know what Allegri is. We know what he's done. There's been no signs of any improvement. Like yeah. you were saying when I just popped in here, you still don't know who the team is. You still don't know who the, what the starting 11 is. It feels like he plays yeah. three at the back one week and Next week he's playing four four two with two centre mids out wide, and it feels like he's constantly trying to find something that works. But after two years of trying and still not finding it, it feels like it's, it has to be a change there. Seems like that should be done at training time, not you know experimenting in, in important games where we end up losing. We're out of the Coppa Italia. It's it was a it was a very winnable game. That's what pisses me off is that. Yeah. Like you said, the talent is there. It's just we don't know. He doesn't know what to do with it. Are you are you hashtag Allegri out? I wouldn't. I'm not hashtagging yet. But <laughs> <Not yet. laughs> I'll probably just type Allegri out. But sorry, I'm just kind of like, look, I did. I did want it to work. Like I did want Allegri to work because I think the one of the big issues um, since Allegri left originally has been the fact that. Juventus have had a manager. It's not worked immediately. They've sacked him. They've went in our direction. It's not worked. They sacked him. And I like the fact that they picked someone and we're like, okay, we're going to, this is our guy and we're going to trust him. But it's very clear at this point that it feels like they picked the wrong guy. I think the one that really, really kind of irks at me a bit is how Lazio have looked so good this season and how good they were against Juventus in that game of Stadio Olimpico. They were incredible in that game and you're watching a game like that and thinking okay the reason why 
um, they were so good in that game is because they got sorry last season. They gave him a year to work it out. They gave the players a year with sorry to work it out tactically. And this year, they started to really, really work out. And it feels like, well, maybe if Juventus had done something like that and gave sorry a season, then maybe you could have been in that position with sorry now where you're playing incredible football with these players and there's a full buy-in there, which there isn't under Allegri. I think it's the same with, sorry not to cut in, but I think it's the no, same with do. like with um, Pedro as well. Like we, we have this kind of reputation of that we sort of built nine years of success and then anyone who came in, the very bare minimum was that we had to win City R and, you know, qualify for the Champions League, obviously. But they, they, they've they kind of got into that mindset of, I think at least under Agnelli, that they wanted instant success. Everything had to be like, okay, we're going to spend, we're going to bring this coach in. And they don't necessarily back them with the right players, but they want the success straight away. And if it doesn't work right, you're out. We're bringing someone else. And it, like Jack was saying, if they back Sadi maybe for longer than a season and maybe got him the kind of players that he needed, you know, maybe he'd still be there now. And I think they tried to rectify that with Allegri. But the problem with Allegri, I feel, is that, again, what Jack was saying was that there just doesn't seem to be an identity to that team. There doesn't seem to be, you know, you go back to when he first coached, there was a clear identity. There was an idea about what it is that he wanted to achieve with that team and, and who played where and how he was going to play. And lately, I know it's not always fault, but with the injuries and everything else, it just feels like it's a case of, okay, well, this player goes here and this week we'll play 3-4-2-1 and then the next time it's, I don't know, 3-5-2 and then it's something else, it's something else. And from what I remember, the, the idea was to play 4-3-3 at the start of the season, build the project around Vlajevic and now, you know, like we're near the end of the season, Vlajevic is fit but on the bench and we're playing 3-5-2 and I think that is kind of like a like a kind of a, a microcosm of, microcosm of, of exactly what, has happened and what has gone wrong with you this season at least the season yeah. is almost over we're still playing playing around with formations that's not a good sign mm. well so the thing is i kind of want to chime in and kind of look at it from a higher level per se so a lot of and i i don't like singling it out to a single entity but if you look at all the correlating factors of it the guy that sacked three managers was fabio paratici he sacked allegri the first time he sacked sorry this sorry right after and he sacked Pirlo and then resigned when Agnelli was like no we're bringing back Allegri so the thing is 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 when you look at it so back in 2018-2019 Allegri kind of mentioned where he's like look I took this team as far as I can we need a reboot we need to refresh here he kind of mentioned that originally back then and that's when uh because again Parata she took over as sporting director mid-season uh because Beppe Morata said hey you guys signed Ronaldo I didn't want to do this project I'm out like I'm leaving so he left right before the January transfer window, I believe. Uh, again, folks on the internet, quote me, uh, double check that. But the thing is, is Paratashi kind of had this weird, let's do flash in a pan, let's do this, let's do this, let's bring in this. And none of it made sense if you looked at his transfers. Like, for example, um, in my opinion, I think $85 million for Dilit was an absolute overspend for a central defender because I'm old school, so I don't believe defenders are worth as much as strikers are. We can argue, we can sit here and debate about it all day. Totally get it. But we overpaid for him, overpaid on his wage as well. And then you bring in Aaron Ramsey as well for a very high wage. And then you bring in Rabiot. And again, Rabiot's having an incredible season this season. But prior to, eh. 
And then like, for example, Paratashi, we can, he can say whatever he wants. We all know he wanted to go in all in for Guardiola. If it blew up in his face and he's like, all right, well, let me take sorry. Cause sorry. He's like, Jack, do you confirm Dash's speculations that we were trying to go? For <laughs> uh, I think, I think it's the dream. I think, I think it was always the dream from like day one, I think with um, Agnelli in particular, um, that uh, it was, it felt like it was always just going to be a dream though. It's a bit yeah. like, I remember years and years and years ago where Toto Sport were reporting like uh front cover messy it's possible and like it's oh that sort goodness. of thing where yeah. you know you want it to be possible but it, it was it, never going to actually happen it's, it's never we just we just talked about this rob <laughs> we, we were asking rob what are the most reliable sources and he said that tuto sport would literally bring messy to juve and the, like the the news would disappear the next day so yeah but they've kind of cleaned up the act i think but, yeah yeah for sure yeah, and then when you look at it from that, where they wanted to go that way, that was the dream. Obviously, it's not possible of it happening at that point in that perspective. But the thing is, is and then they kind of go for Sari. And though we can talk about Sari's tactics and the way that he manages squads is one thing, but like for example, Sari personality-wise didn't fit the corporate Juve because Juve is a very professional organization. Again, all managers need to be dressed up properly. Dudes showing up in pajamas half the time for uh, for managing matches. You know, it's kind of kind of what the consensus was. So, and then again, it's you know Champions League or bust because you have Ronaldo on the squad, and then. Sorry's or not sorry, but Paratashi brings in all of this. Uh, we sold Joe Cancelo for Danilo. We did a bunch of things like that. We really sold Cancelo to balance the books. But then sorry, it doesn't work. And then you could tell because Chiellini even mentioned it, where it's like, I kind of get what this guy is trying to coach us, but it doesn't make sense. And then again, sorry leaves saying a lot of these players aren't coachable. All right, cool. So sorry, you know, Paratashi's like, uh, I don't have this, and then gets rid of sorry. So then again, there's no there's no real options in 2020, 2021 on the coaching market. So and then Paratishi looks and watches uh, the Real Madrid Champions League triumph with Zidane is like, maybe I should do that. I'm just joking. I'm here's a joke. But uh, he brings in Pirlo and then you bring Artur, which originally was a sorry esque player, a possessed based midfielder. And then it's like, here you go. And then they're also like, Pirlo, do you want anything? He's like, I guess we could look at McKenney. Um, so and then McKenney comes in and then it's like, you have a really weird squad composition in the 2020-2021 season. And then again, consistency. There's no consistency as far as how the squad plays. Pirlo would have the team go on very good hot streaks and then very, very ugly streaks as well. Like, for example, for me, I still remember that back pass Artur did against um, Benevento that we lost that game at home 1-0-2 because Arthur essentially he, he, assisted he gave, the other team. He gave the assist, basically, right? Pretty much. So it's like, and that's the thing. And guys, if you watch our Romeo Agresti podcast, he said it too, where he's like, Pirlo had great ideas, but also really, really bad ideas at the same time. So it was one of those things where they wanted to go with a little bit more stability. Uh, Paratashi and Nedved weren't really big fans of Allegri because, again, they wanted his dismissal back in 1819. So Agnelli was like, he puts his foot down. I need some stability because we're going like this. Uh, and then he brings in Allegri, Paratashi resigns, goes to Tottenham, and, you know, story continues uh and then the other thing though is allegri's going into the season with okay i have ronaldo i have ronaldo dubala and etc and then first came with Indonesia, ronaldo's like i'm out see ya and uh and i personally i wasn't a big fan of the cherubini hire um i understood the arriva bene hire because they wanted to kind of constrict the books a little bit more but again with cherubini he was you know a scout that just gets promoted up and juve was promoting within at that point because you lose Pepe Morata, you promoted Paratashi. You lose Paratashi, 
you promote Cherubini, which I thought was poor planning on Juventus's part, because the thing is, is without, and, and this is how important the sporting director is, because even in the United States with our sports, the GM is the big cog for every professional sports team. Because the thing is, is for the last four or five years, we haven't had a concise project through a sporting yeah, director. There's a vacuum in there. It's a huge vacuum in there where it's like now you have Kerubini who's trying to do his ideas. And then again, they see it in the Vlahovic purchase. I still think allegedly in my mind was kind of like, a, oh, shit, we need to get him before he's gone kind of purchase because you've never spent that much money in January. It's insane for them to drop 80 million like it's nobody's business. So they kind of do an oh, shit. But the problem is, is they don't have all the pieces built around Vlahovic. The squad's not built to bring in someone because Italiano's play style, which made Vlahovic cook, is totally different from what Allegri does. And it's one of those things where oil and vinegar, per se, and those two don't mix that well. And that's where we kind of start getting into it now. And then the problem is, again, Allegri currently has players from three separate regimes. You have the Sari, the Sari players, you have the Pirlo-esque players that came in, and we shipped some of those out. And we kind of have Moise Keen, Locatelli, Vlahovic that were brought in recently, and then some Allegri players that he wanted with Di Maria, and uh, Paredes, which obviously this one, Paredes is definitely on Allegri for being a flop because he wanted him. He came in, didn't perform. You know, we can debate all of that. All right, but I got, I yeah. got a question for our guest. Just f- finish up your thought. No, I'm good. I'm done. Good. Thank you, man. Uh, by the way, oil and vinegar reminds me to to to, uh, to buy it today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just Jack Dash mentioned the the whole story about the sporting sporting director. So. If you want to check out Jack's um, article, go on our at Juve podcast on Twitter. I've retweeted it. Check it out. 90 minutes. Uh, technically, it's 90min.com. Uh, of course, there's some people who are, you know, telling you it's fake fake news, blah, blah, blah. But here we are. You, you, you know, you can clear the air. Uh, you're saying that there's a possibility of Allegri moving to a managerial position, right? So there's questions underneath. We won't go into the details, but uh, people want to know. So we'll take some questions. Are you okay answering a few of them here? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Why not? Why so um, AJ is asking, which coach would Allegri click with as a sporting director? In terms of who you click with, I think. Um, oh, of someone... course, it's a tough question because you don't know. But like, what's your, yeah, what's, yeah, your yeah. what's your opinion? Um, in terms of someone you could click with, I think. Obviously, you would want some uh, someone with a similar tactical mindset as him. So but, someone really old. Yeah, <laughs> Trapatoni or someone. Um, yeah, no, but um, in terms of what I would perceive to be a better hire and someone who uh, could maybe bring a different philosophy while also having the kind of stability above him that Allegri can provide is. I think someone like Roberto Di Zerbi or someone would be a really fun hire for Juventus. I think Fan just favorite. Yeah, I think I think he's he's a completely different type of football. Um I I don't think he has um the ego attached to like I don't think Conte could come on, for example, and work under Allegri. I don't think that's a ego composition that really blends together, whereas I think Zerbi maybe would see it as like a big step up and be willing to have someone above him like an Allegri who's been there and done it as a manager um, and can take some tips, some pointers from him, um, help out when as and when. But um, you would also have a bit more of a 
youthful exuberance about the state of play that he's playing, a bit more modern state of play. And yeah. we've seen it brighten um, as one thing with Juventus, uh, somebody brighten. When he's seen a guy like Evan Ferguson, he's only 18, 19, uh, very, very young. But when he's good, good enough, he's old enough, he's come in, he's played for Brighton a lot. And he's like one of the big frustrations throughout the season has been seeing someone like Eileen Jr. who came off the bench the weekend and looked really lively and really, really sharp. Um, I know he didn't uh, score that chance that he created for himself, but there was definitely some positive signs there and like a wee bit of energy that he was providing that some other players haven't really provided. And it feels like someone like Deserby would come in and just give those players the ball and let them play and play them as consistently as possible. So I was just going to chip in and just say, I feel like <clears throat> Juve kind of had all these years of quote unquote stable coaches, you know, like Lippi and like you were saying, Frappatoni and Capello and then Conte and Allegri. And then they kind of sort of snapped and like reacted and thought, you know what, everyone wants to play this kind of, fast moving high pressing move the ball quick kind of game so let's take Sadi because he's famous for that okay that didn't work out so let's try Pirlo who has these ideas and again that doesn't work out so let's just go back to what's always worked in the past and then I just wonder if they would take that risk again I would love to have someone like Deserbi or we were saying yesterday someone like Igor Tudor just just kind of who, who sort of brings the best of both worlds who can kind of balance it a bit but with Juve it always seems like no disrespect because it's the club that I love, but it's all, it always feels like it's pragmatism first. It's get the points first. And that has worked for so long, but football has kind of evolved. And I think to myself, how long can we keep having that approach? When do we start throwing caution to the wind and say, here's a coach, let's back in for three or four seasons and try and change the way that we play? Yeah, and I'm and I'm with you there because the thing is, is like one of the reasons why Sassuolo and Brighton are really, really successful um, is because, like, for example, if you look at the director from Brighton, you look at the director from Sassuolo, which we're linked to allegedly, uh, they have a very, very great scouting network. Um, we can also say that about Guntoli and Napoli as well. Like Graham Potter, um, a lot of Chelsea fans hate the guy, but prior to him going to Brighton, had them at fourth on the table. And uh, again, playing... Almost kind of like a similar football to Deterbi, but Deterbi and Graham Potter are almost kind of like the same philosophy. So when they both, you know, interchanged, it worked. But Brighton and Sassuolo and Atalanta, and we can argue Napoli too, are very, very good at picking youth products and then having the system established where they come in and they interject. Like, I, I know someone was mocking me on one of our live streams when I said, guys, look at Brighton's squad, like as far as their sporting director and their scouting. It's actually pretty good, and they've been building it since they've gotten promoted. And progressively, as the years have gone on, Brighton has been growing across the Premier League. Where you know when they first came in, they were battling for relegation the first two or three seasons, and now they're starting to contend for the Conference League spots. Sorry, can I just quickly ask Lucas a question? Because when I mentioned Tudor, he kind of like nodded, and I was like, "But well, where is his head right now?" So I'd love to know. No, 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 you're. You're right. No, I mean, I was waiting. I was waiting for my opportunity. No, Igor uh, Tudor for sure, or even like a Pirlo. Um, we don't have a clear idea kind of what they were both trying to do because they were both so different, but also very similar. Um, I think either one of them could work really well under this pragmatic, high standard allegory of expectations as well. So you could have somebody like Pirlo with these ideas, but not like the ideas of actually coaching and structure and 
how are practices run, how is the physios work, and all of that stuff that Allegri knows in the back of his head. Like, this is the structure we need. We just need somebody who has, like, a style of play. Allegri is just the, we're going to have our defense and our offensive guys are just going to go out there and play. I'll let them do, I'll let them do their thing, um, which works for Di Maria's and, and stuff like that we were saying yesterday, but it, it – it doesn't work for youngsters, number one, and it doesn't work for someone like a Milik or Keen, like guys that are not Mandzukic's and uh, Ronaldo's. So if you bring in someone like a Tudor who's showing great promise at Marseille, um, along with the rumors of Zidane going to Marseille, so maybe Tudor is on the market. Um, but you bring in a, somebody like him or a Pirlo under Allegri, I think financially, and then also what they're kind of looking for in that, Let's have that pragmatism. Let's have that structure that we've had for so long. And let's throw somebody with fresh, new, modern ideas of soccer. Um, I don't think it's that that crazy because we're known for having the Trident for 20 years in our management system. And we've we've not replicated anything like that. We almost did with Paratici and Beppe. And then there was that disconnect and they left. We haven't had like a strong management group with like compartmentalized roles um that Which achieve long-term don't know success what was doing right yeah I, I think the one thing that we need to also ask in this conversation and jackie might know better than us is is allegri the sole proprietor or is he going to be like a consultant or is he going to have someone that's like an riva bene that's going to well, be that's a question from sorry sorry to jump in that's a question i just want to kind of go by yeah. the questions mike is asking, due to Allegri's uh, inexperience in this role, would Juventus need to give him a right-hand man to help him along the way? If so, who do you see in that position? Well, I haven't heard anything that there would be a right-hand man, but I do think it would make sense um, outside looking in on it. I think one who's been linked relatively recently, um, the Allegri's keen on, is Nicky Massara, um, who's at AC Milan. I think they need, they need people essentially who... Um, Allegri is comfortable working with in that role and if he is someone who Allegri likes and who would be interested in working with him that's the sort of thing you need I think the, the issue with um, the previous um, attempt of a trident at Juventus has been um, personality clashes and people having such different ideas and there's been quite quick fallouts and disagreements um, if you can bring in a group of people who have similar ideas on our keen to work together and are all coming in at around the same time, which you'll have at the minute with uh, so much change um, higher, much higher up at Juventus, then you could probably build a better group. And if you can build that group and have them all um, picking one manager together, then that will make a lot of sense. It's not something I've heard or been told. The only one that I've been told is that um, they are keen and interested in offering Allegri a move upstairs and the uh, director of football director of something sort of role uh, moving forward and uh, yeah just want to touch on as well um, with what Lucas was saying and what Rab was saying about um, the managerial choice I think 100% would agree with both and I think one thing that um, Juventus in general kind of need to realise and understand is how much players want to play for a manager with a philosophy and this new generation of players want to play football that they feel matters. It's why managers like Allegri haven't done so well in the past few years, whereas managers like Pep, managers like the Zerbi and Potter while he was at Brighton, as you said, Dash, that they've done so well as they play a style of football that 
players can believe in and want to be part of. And players like being coached as well. Players want to be told how to do things to make them better players. And when you have so many young players coming through at Juventus, it makes complete sense to get a manager in with ideas. And maybe Pirlo that was mentioned there, maybe some of his ideas were bad, but if some are good as well and you're building a better squad and you have a better core group of players to use, then maybe that could be a way to go as well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm totally with you there because like, uh, I, mean, I hate mentioning these two teams, but when we look at Inter and AC, um Pioli you don't think he's like the greatest tactician in the world but because of Milan's youth how young that squad is he kind of stepped in and became a father figure for the squad and essentially pushed them pushed them to be an underdog Scudetto last year and then this season they just have to beat those uh turd stains from the other side of Milan for a shot at the final but uh the thing is same thing with Inzaghi as well at Inter Milan like take out the domestic form aside um but when you look at it we saw them get drawn with Benfica and we looked at each other like, Hey man, Benfica is about to have a field day with these guys. These guys haven't scored a single goal in open play for about a month. And they go and they hang five on them again. You know, they Benfica could have came back arguably, whatever, you know, that's fine. But uh, the players believe in Inzaghi. They believe in Pioli where they're like, especially, and I give credit to Milan. Cause like, let's be honest, Milan isn't, you, you look at like the top sides in Europe and Milan's not, you know, an incredible side or anything like that individually wise but how the players get behind layout or how the players get behind uh hernandez and like how you have like again salamakers makers looking like prime maradona when he dribbled through four napoli defenders where it's like you have milan perform above expectations because no one thought they were going to be Napoli. even the napoli fans are celebrating their semi-final birth and you know it kind of blew up in their face but i think and that's where i think jack is very very correct where I think the style of coaching has changed because I'm old school. So like I coach, I coach from an old school manner, but now it's kind of more so you beat them up. I don't beat them up, but like, uh, like I'll look at it. Hey, t- correct your technique, correct this, where it's like now did everybody's like, okay. Or some of these newer coaches kind of look at it and they kind of cater their style to the players where yeah. Allegri and we can argue Zidane as well. Um, because he came from the Car- Carlo Ancelotti coaching tree um, because Zidane was Ancelotti's assistant at Madrid before he took over Madrid when Rafa Benitez absolutely flopped. Uh, They have that old school counterattacking football, same thing with Carlo. But I think the thing that Carlo's doing very well that Allegri never did is like, for example, Carlo saw Vinicius Jr. and said, okay, I need to change my approach. And he made Vinicius one of the best players in Europe right now. That's what uh, Ferguson has been doing for, was doing for years. Years, You know, they they catered their style to the player. Ferguson was a coach ahead of his time, in my opinion. Can I just ask real quick, is everybody uh, with Allegri or is everyone against, not against, but like, is everyone Allegri, not, I hate using that hashtag Allegri out, but does everyone want Allegri to go? For for me, um, right now, I don't see it being beneficial with a month and a half left in the season. For me, I need to see what happens upstairs before I can really rule an Allegri out per se, because it's just there's too many revolving parts. Like, for example, if we get a terrible sporting director and we bring in Zidane, all the people that are tweeting Allegri out on the Juventus page are going to start tweeting Zidane out. Like the thing is, is for me, I really want to see what the club does at that higher level, because that's where you can really figure out what's going on. And then we kind of move forward and judge accordingly. Am I thrilled with what Allegri is doing? No. But at the same time, 
if we say that we sack Allegri and we bring in a coach now, we'll have three or four games of like a rebirth and Juve has become incredible. Mm -hmm. And then the same problems will then persist to happen. So until, until, and the thing is what really irritates me, it's about Syria is they're purposely delaying the stuff, the rulings and everything, because it, the more they delay it, the more it hurts with us finding a sporting director. Because if I'm a sporting director, if I'm Tare from Lazio, if I'm Guntoli from Napoli, I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, I want to go to Juve, but what's the deal? Are they going in Serie B? Are they banned from Europe? Are they getting a deduction? What's the deal? So I'm not going to take a job until I figure out what's the end game here. And I tinfoil hats, people, but I really think Serie A is delaying this on purpose or Gravina on them just because the more that we don't have a director or a hierarchy established, the more it hurts us in the long term because that gives us less time to plan in the summer. That's not such a tinfoil theory, by the way. It's pretty possible. Jack, going back to you, do you have Allegri's phone number and can we call him? I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll try to get his Instagram or a Snapchat or something for you. Sir. I mean, he, he cowardly left all social media, and, and, and I can see why. Did you see the replies under under every... I think it's dying down by now. I think people realize it's just so fucking stupid to post Allegri out when, in red letters, but that was a thing for a while. Did you post it? Be honest. No, I didn't. No, no, no burner accounts used or anything. So they weren't, and certainly not the main account either. No, I, I, I agree with uh, in terms of like uh, what they do now. I do agree with Dash. Um, there's no point in firing a manager now. It looks mm -hmm. super unstable to fire a manager now. It looks like Leeds are going to fire Luca Gracia, and that makes that club look like a disaster. They are a disaster, don't get me wrong. They they were the club that took Weston McKenney on loan in yeah. January. Don't that say that. Definition, don't say that. We need, them, we need them to buy them. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it there's no point in doing it now. The team's the team. You might have, like you said, Dash, you might have one or two games where you look a wee bit better, but it just feels like there needs to be more than just a coaching change. It needs to be top down. The whole structure needs to be fixed at the club. And it all kind of needs to be done at once. And also, like, look, once everything's sorted with uh, whatever will happen, any sort of prosecutions around the capital gains and stuff, whatever will happen there, after that, there is an opportunity for Juventus to really genuinely do a rebuild that perhaps the club has needed for quite a while. And the fact that they're going to have this opportunity this summer, it should be seen more as an opportunity as opposed to a disaster. The club's needed changes for so long. The club's needed structural changes for so long. And now is the time to do it and do it right. And the fact that you can do all these structural changes at once and have like a real idea and strategy around doing it, it could end up being really, really beneficial for the club long term. And look, it's one of these things as well where I know Juventus haven't been great the past few seasons. It doesn't look like they're going to challenge again next season or maybe even the season after that. But after how many years of success, it's quite hard to keep that going for any longer. And they did. It was remarkable. They did to begin with. So we're going to have some lean years, but so long as you can have lean years and know that there's the right processes in place to make the team better long-term, then I think Juventus fans will be happy enough with it. Well, yeah. just very upsetting because you can't go from winning so many times. We understand the game is in cycles. You will be irrelevant for a couple of years, but what we're seeing, uh, the, the, the style of play, it's like, how long is that going to go on? 
it's 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 unwatchable. I don't know if you if if you tried, but it's it's becoming it's becoming two hours of scrolling through Twitter. There's there's we're just so used to boring games that it's 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 becoming frustrating. And now I'm I'm kind of scanning uh, scanning through your article, and yeah, I mean. It's Vlaovic and, and Chiesa and Di Maria, all the, all the, the guys that you do want to watch, they're, they're threatening leaving. You know? And go ahead, Jack. I don't mean to cut yeah, you like off. Yeah, that, that's the thing where, like I was saying, I think Juventus fans will be okay with Juventus finishing third next season so long as the football's better and they're more watchable Absolutely. and enjoyable. And you can see that, say, players like uh, Shule, uh, Moretti, Fagioli and all are getting the chances. And yes, they'll make mistakes along the way. They're young players. But if you have a plan in place to get these players and make them better over the course of five years and you're maybe not winning this many titles, I think Juventus fans will be happy with it. The fact, the problem with Juventus over the past few years is they felt that the only thing that Juventus can, fans can be happy with is winning Serie A. When in fact, you know, the, the last few seasons when they won Serie A, they weren't that good. It was quite clear that there was changes that needed to be made. They were they were winning Syria because the rest of the league wasn't particularly good. And then they had the few best players in the league that were kind of driving them through. But it felt like even those last few Scudettos that they were petering out over time. And yeah, moving forward, it just needs to be that the football's fun again. I think that's the main thing that Juventus fans want. They want to, like you and said, we don't, want to, we don't want to see us lose to Monza. That's that's my that's my beef. I don't want I don't want mid-table teams to come to our stadium believing they can win, which is what's been happening. Bologna, they drew us 1-1 when Del Piero came back for the first time to the stadium. I remember last last year or so. It was such a big deal made. And then and then this performance just pissed poor and and yeah, I'm just I, I'm just not happy about what's going on on the field. If we're losing, I mean, if we're not winning the Scudetto, at least I want to see a fight for it, not breaking all the negative records, you know, which is so upsetting. Go ahead, Rob. I, I was just going to say, I wonder if with everything that's kind of going on in the background, I wonder if with these kind of rumors about players being so discontent with Allegri and there's obviously a reason these rumors are coming out is because somebody's leaking them or that there's something is coming out. It's not just one player. It's, it's various players. But it just makes me think, because I remember there were these kind of rumblings the first time around with Allegri leaving and people were saying it's Dybala or it's Allegri and the club. Uh, I, I know it, it never sort of, it wasn't official or anything, but there were these kind of rumors that they chose to back. Dybala and keep Dybala rather than have Allegri in it and the way that he was changing things. And I wonder if they'd do the same thing this time. I wonder if they would sort of say, okay, well, hang on a second, we've got Chiesa who's, a, you know, like in any other team, he's he's, he's going to score goals. He's going to be a fantastic player. Same with Vlahovic as well. So you've got two players who are basically goal-scoring, not machines, but, you know, they're getting there. And then you've got this manager who's no disrespect to him. He's kind of got one foot in the past. So... Where do they go? What do they do? And I get the feeling that they would look at the investment and look at the players and say, you know what, it's kind of a no-brainer. We, we need to bring someone else in and you know, get rid of well, Allegri. Uh, at Frankie334 brings up a great point. He says that I believe really suit Allegri. So now when that happens, does DeShilio retire and become Allegri's assistant? Great point. <laughs> That's such a that Frankie would, question, too. <laughs> that would be such a smart, smart decision to have DeShilio 
taking on that Barzali role and just being the leader and the and just that connection from management to, to players. Well, hey, father, you, father you, and son combination. You never, man. you never know. We might hire uh, Chiellini as a financial officer. Dude has an MBA, so why not? But uh, he's an MBA. Yeah, he has an MBA. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, cause uh, oh oh, <laughs> he's in the MLS, not the NBA. No, I know, but uh, yeah. So he actually, cause he did say there are some reports where Keelini wants to come into a, a managerial role. I totally, I totally got it. I'm trying to keep character, <laughs> but um, uh, <laughs> but it, we do show just for us with with Nash. I know. I know. Uh, so anyway, the one sorry, thing. So I think the one thing, and I wonder if you guys can agree with me on this one. I think. And I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit frustrated with some other UVA content creators, whether it be on Twitter or YouTube or whatever, where they keep they keep saying that we're lowering the standard and not understanding that sport has cycles. Like, I feel like, I personally think that a lot of the fans that are currently right now in the Juventus fandom world are, you know, early 20s, mid 20s, where, you know, all they knew was like the nine consecutive Scudetti. They didn't know anything mm-hmm. prior to that. They weren't alive for two th- or they were too young to really comprehend 2005, 2006, or even like, for example, the early 90s before we won the Europa League and made those consecutive Champions League finals and before Moji came in. So like my irritation with it is, is like if you sit here and you can say that the squad that we currently have, we can challenge in all three fronts. I like you, but I think you're absolutely bonkers if you really think that what we have right now can challenge teams for the champions league and be consistent for the scudetto but my issue is is like for example if i tweet that if i say that hey with this composition we're not going there oh you're just lowering your standards that's why you're saying that juve can't compete i have higher standards than you juve fans are really wrapped up in the in the aura and in the in the you know romantic side of juve sometimes they can't see clearly you know criticizing the team as you're not a fan (laughs) I, I gotta say, sorry. I'm just gonna quickly chirp in. And say, Go for it. There is a there is a certain with the utmost respect to present company and all the Juventini that I follow. There is a, a degree of arrogance that we have as Juventini. There is a degree of we are better. Is. Yeah, exactly. So, and the thing is, in Italy, there is no like you can look at teams in other countries. You can look at Manchester United and Liverpool. They are hated, but there are people that are there in the middle ground and go, okay, you know what? I don't mind them. There is none of that with Juventus in Italy. It is binary. binary. It is zero or one. You either love Juve or you hate them. And because of that, that's something that I think fans tap into. So we have this kind of like turn our noses up at other fans and other, you know, sort of teams. We think we're better than everyone else. And I think it just comes with comes with the territory. I remember that from back in the 90s when I first started supporting Juve. Like... Some of my uh, guys, some of the guys at uni were Juve supporters from Italy and they were just arrogant as fuck. And I was like, wow, is this what it means? And I, I think that translates over and there's a, there's a de- degree of that even now with fans like, you know, we just expect to win. It's not realistic, not at all. Yeah. But, and and that's right. the thing. And that's the thing what concerns me about doing a multi-year project, because like, for example, after the first season of Kerobini and Arriva Bene, uh, they were saying, hey, this is a three, four year project. Everyone's on Twitter saying, oh, where's this project? There's no fruits of this project. Oh, my God. Project where it's like, dude, like you got to sit there and just look at it. And then, like, for example, when you try to sit down and have a conversation with these folks, they'd look at you and be like, I can't believe you lowered your standards that low for this club. It's like, dude, come on, man. Because like the thing is, is like when we get the new director, say that we do the entire overhaul this summer and say that because I would that guy would be absolutely insane if he says I can turn around Juve in one season. 
But if he says, hey, it's going to take three to four years to build this correctly, build the foundation so we can have sustainable success, because that's what took Beppe Marata on them. It took them a bit uh, to build the nine Scudetti team. If we do that and we say that, I guarantee you those same fans, because they're the same fans that are yelling Allegri out, they're going to sit here and be like, three-year project? What is this? Huh? Are you kidding me? That's these guys lowered the standards. Of, I can't believe Juventus has fallen so hard, or I can't believe they've lowered their standards. So yeah, we're hard. we're not allowed to lose. We're not allowed to not win Syria. That's that's the funny thing. I, I I look at these people. I'm like, who do you think we are? Like we we won 38. That's great. Juve has become the Amazon Prime of 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 teams. Like we want it now. Like you can't you can't no. three day shipping. No way. Uh, Jack, quick question for you. I know you've been a little little quiet here. Um, this article is 24 hours long, old now. So it's old in our, in our, in our lives yeah, now. Yeah. Is there, is there any, anything on the horizon, anything you've, you've heard in the last 24 hours or so about anything Juventus related that maybe you haven't posted yet or uh, anything our listeners would love to know? Nothing over the past 24 hours, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Oh, for those, uh, that's okay. How, how reliable are the Zidane rumors? Like, is there, is there, out of the millions of rumors, is there any a, a tiny bit of truth to that? I'm going to be honest. Like I think, um, in terms of uh, Zidane, I don't really see how the club can do it financially. I don't think mm-hmm. there's a capacity there to do it. What was his salary I think, at Real? I would guess it was in the excess of 12 mil. I would guess. Yeah. I don't think, well, and there's also one of the main issues with Allegri at the minute, and um, one of the reasons why they're looking to move him around in the club rather than just let him go mm-hmm. completely at the end of the season is they can't afford to sack him. The, the wage is too high, the severance pay be too high. They can't afford to do that and then also bring someone else in. So it's one of those things where I think fans in general need to lower expectations of name value, and I also think the club itself needs to move away from name value again and rather than going for a Zidane because it sounds good to get a Zidane to go for a guy who has like we were saying before has a bit of a philosophy and might not be the name that Zidane is but longer term can be a better manager and I also think in terms of Zidane as well I don't think he fits this Juventus if everything that Juventus fans want is for the younger players to be used, to be cultivated, for the likes of Ian Vlaevich and stuff to be improved as players. Um, Zidane, for how incredible he's been at Real Madrid, he's always done it with veteran players, and he's had that um, Ancelotti system of, I will let the players basically do what they want. And because they've been there and done it so many times, they know what they do. But that doesn't work for a team like Juventus, where you'll have players who are nowhere near the level of Luka Modric, let's be real, um, who need coached and need to be told what to do. And it's the same problem we're having with Allegri right now where the players aren't being told enough of what they need to do. You'll have the same problem with Sudan. Hmm. Thank yeah, you. That's, that's it. Point. That's that yeah, was that my was... entire entire argument why I don't think he would work. That's all I literally to say, I, I, I literally so timestamp I timestamp that moment because we're gonna make a like a small reel out of this. And um, well, yeah, that's that's that was the best part of the podcast because that was amazing. Zidane is a shiny toy. Zidane is a shiny toy, but he it's too early. So I got a quick question to follow up with you, Jack. There, so I and I'm I'm with you where we need to kind of look more. So I don't want to say I want to say mid table level coaches. I don't want to 
because it's kind of a disrespect to some of these coaches that are coming up. Someone unknown ideas. name. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is my only concern is, is when you take something like that. So let's let's use. And there's multi existential uh, factors with Graham Potter and Chelsea because again the squad composition doesn't fit what Graham Potter runs. But do we run the risk of like, for example, you have Chiesa, Euros champion, one of the best Italian players, Dusan Vlaovic, scoring calendar year record breaker, Di Maria, World Cup champion? Do we get to a point because this is one of the things that we had with Sari, where some of these players didn't respect Sari because you know I've done more than you will ever do as a coach. So do we run the risk? Because that's sometimes the risk that you run when you go into a big club where it's like the players are kind of like, uh, this is the guy. Yeah. So there is, there is always that risk, but I think that's also going to be like, a those, those players are shoulder faces like that. You have to have the wherewithal to kind of cut those players loose. Eventually, if you're going to trust a manager in the way that Juventus perhaps need to trust the manager. Um, the issue with sorry, as you're right, like, you're coming into a club where every single player has won at least five or six Serie A titles, and then Ronaldo has won five or six Champions yeah, Leagues. Yeah. He's obviously nowhere near that stature, so maybe like that sort of uh, that sort of composition of a squad need uh, a manager who's been there and done it at the right place. The same way um, someone like Zidane for that Real Madrid team when he was replacing Ancelotti. Uh, back in the day he was kind of perfect for that because he's a player that these players grew up watching and had respect for initially and then like I said they have the waterfall they go and win the things but it's just having the confidence that the person behind you um, and the person on the touchline also has kind of been there and done that and has that experience I don't think Juventus need a manager like that because I think like we're so far removed from the point where Juventus were the most dominant team in Serie A at this point that a lot of these players haven't really been there and done it. Uh, yes, cases won the Euros, but a lot of a lot of those players that won those Euros have won nothing else. And Kesa hasn't really won anything else. Flavich hasn't really won anything in his career, bar the the goal scoring thing. Hearts. Yeah, <laughs> and then Chesney's won some things as well. But it, it's one of those things where I, I just. I think you uh, you probably won't encounter that problem. And if any player you encounter that with, and if any player seems uncoachable, like Sorry was saying before, then cut them loose. There's no point. It's not to say well, they've we, done we, anything we, recently we, for Juventus. We, we talked. We talked. Sorry to interrupt, but we talked about it's so tough to do these Zoom podcasts. It seems like I'm interrupting you, but if we were in the same room, <laughs> it's just a conversation. So I apologize yeah. if it sounds no baller, like no baller. Um, the, the the whole uncoachable thing, untrainable players, we talked about it yesterday, and then I fucked up the, the podcast and it never got posted, <laughs> but we'll, we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back in terms of somebody posted a TikTok video of all the mistakes Juve players made in the game against Bologna, and if one of those mistakes were made by a Real Madrid or PSG it would be it would be laughed at, but we are at a point where we're we our expectations are so low that we don't even notice six, seven, eight misplaced passes that are not just because the player was covered or something it didn't go through. It's literally they're they're passing into nowhere, hoping. Uh, one of our one of our listeners calls it cross and yalla. It's like it's there's not even a plan in in in. in in place so going back to the uncoachable comment it's like have they plateaued and has our coach plateaued at a point where he cannot 
take on a team like that. And many people said that Allegri has inherited Conte's team, which had, you know, players and the philosophy behind it. And now that he needs to build his own squad, he just cannot do it. He'll do well and at, at a Genoa. He'll do well well enough at a mid-table team. But I feel like he's, he's, hit the, he's hit his ceiling. Am I wrong there? I think it's a fair comment. I think, I think one of the big issues for Allegri this time around as well has been that the players that he's come on and felt like he can trust, um, the players that were there before, they, they're not the same players. I think the main one of those is Quadrado. And when those clubs come up of Juventus players misplacing a lot of passes, you know, a lot of time it probably is Quadrado doing it, no harm to him. Like he was a great player for a long time there for Juventus, but you can see that the performance levels have dropped a lot. And the fact that he's one of the guys that Allegri still feels like he can trust because yeah. he's a guy who's been there and been a winner before um, has proved to be a big issue for Allegri at the club. Jack, I'm so sorry. Hold that thought. I apologize. Let's just say bye to Rav. He has to hop on, and then we'll get back to Rav. You're the man, dude. I love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, thanks, guys. It was, it was brilliant listening to all your opinions and everything. It's been fantastic. Are you going to quote, you, you quote yourself on the on your <laughs> on your Twitter now? <laughs> I uh, well, yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll have, um, have, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We'll love you. See you, Rav. Bye. Take care, guys. All the best. I had to I had to do that. Fuck that guy, right? No, love Rev. <laughs> love Rev. <laughs> Sorry, Jack. Go ahead. So, so you were saying that you know our standard now is is washed up Quadrado as opposed to a world class right back. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've seen it with like two, a few of the main ones are the both sides of fullbacks. Essentially, it's Quadrado yeah. and Alexandro. Who when Allegri was there originally were arguably the two best fullbacks in the league. Now, they're arguably the two most detrimental fullbacks in the league at times. And the fact that they're two players that Allegri has persisted with all season because he feels like he has examples of them being really, really good players for him and feels like and hopes that they can be those players again. Um, it's been a big crux for him all season. And the fact that he still trusted Demons without trying to trust anyone else um, you've brought it up jokingly as well with Decilio. Decilio's a guy been there forever. It's never been particularly great, but it's been a part of winning teams and Allegri feels comfortable in dropping him into the team much more than he feels comfortable dropping uh, like an Elian Junior or a Sule mm -hmm. or something into a team because he has examples of him playing well before, but they're not doing it now and they haven't done it for a while, so I don't understand why he's still persistent with them. Yeah. Well, it's the definition of insanity, right? You keep doing the same thing, accepting, exactly. expecting a different result. It, it, it kind of is and it kind of isn't at the same time. Because, like, so, for example, we got one of our guys that's a big viewer of us, Misak. He watches the next gen all the time, studies them vigorously. And, you know, a guy's not even a content creator. That's how much he loves it. Where he, he kind of mentioned it because he's like, you know, Illing and these guys, they're great players, but you can still see the rawness of them. And that's kind of where Allegri's just kind of like, I don't want to take a risk at it. Because the thing is, is reasons why Allegri switched to the 3 5 2 is because our defenders, if we isolate them, it's it's ugly. It gets ugly. Because, like, for example, if you watch the Intercopa Italia where you saw Bremer getting isolated by uh, Jaco both times, Jaco absolutely cooked them. Like one on one, absolutely cooked him. That one goal that was offsides, he broke Bremer's ankles like it was nobody's business. Um, but the thing is, is what's interesting uh, that you guys mentioned about the PSGs and the Real Madrids is like, for example, Modric and Cruz and Valverde, 
if they don't perform well or if they can't string two passes in a game, they're getting benched Kamavinga and Chuameni come in because those two are nipping at their heels for a starting spot. Where it's like with us, there's not really anyone there to cha- to to challenge for the starting eleven. Um, and, and that's one of those things where I was a little bit concerned where it's like, yes, Kostic was playing very, very well. But at the same time, if Illing's not able to beat Kostic out in training, that's where I'm a little bit concerned per se. Because again, a lot of coaches, they look at training and they kind of sub things in. Because like Fajoli was able to beat out Paredes. Baranache was able to beat out Paredes in, in training. Gatti was able to beat out Rugani um, because Rugani used to be the de facto third, but now it's been Gatti. So it's like, there's something like that. It's kind of a double-edged problem because, like for example, Juve players don't have the the bench players don't have the capability to challenge for the starting role, but at the same time, some of them are, but they're not performing well because you're either getting thrown in because someone's injured, or just not consistency. And I think because Juve don't have a solid bench to really push the first team to the limit, that's why it's just kind of weird per se. You know, we, we sent them all away. We sent Artur away, Zachariah away, McKenny away. The ones that we kept, the Moise Keens, the the Paredes um, type of guys, they've taken a backseat. So now instead of like the youngsters being those third strings that can, they don't have to go beat out a caustic. You're, you're asking Keen to beat him out. You're asking other players. They're also not beating him out. So it's like the the youngsters are being asked to be put into positions that, they shouldn't need to be put into. Um, and then there's this, that, that gap, like Dash was saying, we don't have a bench. We have youngsters, which is not a real bench. It's a, it's a luxury to have, but it's, it's, it's not going to help you win a, a title. I guess, I guess we're done. <laughs> uh, any, any other last minute questions, guys? I feel like we've gone over an hour and 10 minutes now. Jack, Thank you got to tell us what, uh, what kit are you Oh, wearing? Jack showing us. Showing us oh, yeah. I love it. Let's I got, um, I got this quite recently, actually. Um, I got, it's 2003 training top. So it is. Nice. I was like, I'm going on Juventus podcast. I'll pick out the best Juventus Love one it. I can find in my wardrobe and this was it. It was this or a, a pink Zidane one from 97, but I'm terrified to wear it because it's got to the point where the numbers to back are starting to kind of come off slightly. And I'm like, I can't wear it again because if I wash it, they might disappear. And it might say like Zidane 2 on the back of it instead. I'm not having well, that. Well, a lot of people have a soft spot for really washed up jerseys because hey, they've been through... They've been through so much. Oh, 80, that, 80, that 85, Oof. 85, Platini. Platini. Oh. So it's like even like the, uh, I don't know if I can put on the camera, but like the numbers on the edge are tattered. So you can see like typical That's 80s awesome. jersey where it's all worn out and stuff. So. Jack, can you get Platini on the podcast? <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> if he's not in prison. <laughs> oh. Could you imagine if we got him on the pod and he was in a jumpsuit? Oh, that'd be <laughs> we had to call him collect. <laughs> Inmate from Paris. Jail <laughs> wants to speak to you. Uh, boys, this was fun. Jack, you're or are you're instantly a member of the family anytime you want to jump on. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of heat for the for the article, but we believe you and you know you you brought up some 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 good points. Hopefully, um, hopefully you're wrong, but honestly, because <laughs> we <laughs> we burn a bridge that's called a leg read but we'll see what happens um yeah keep in touch man we appreciate you 
Well, D, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It was good yeah. crack. Good fun. Shh. Thank you, buddy. Um, Dash, Lucas, thank you, boys. Uh, everyone listening, I will post a discount, uh, as always, 15% off on terrainegiants.com if you use the code 215. Just type in 215. At checkout, there's a there's a really awesome Pirlo shirt that I'm trying to push, and where uh, I ordered myself some samples so I can take some photos. But you can order it if you want to do a 15% off on an unreleased shirt. No Pirlo, no party is really really cool. Uh, if you see if you saw uh, uh, Giuseppe rocking and on on a couple of his live streams, it's really cool. Um, yeah, Dash, anything going on on YouTube? All right, so we've got some fun stuff uh, to get ready for the Europa League. So, Dave and I have tracked down a Sevilla podcast slash YouTube channel, so we will be collaborating with those guys so we can awesome. talk about how they are the Grim Reapers of the Europa League. Uh, we've got some pregame stuff that we're going to do. Dave and I are going to film a Leche pregame this afternoon. We'll post that uh some point that you guys will see it before the game actually starts. So we've got that, and then we've got our weekend call-in show on Saturdays. That is going to be a weekly thing, folks. So viewers, if you want to call in and say how much Dave and I suck at our jobs, you can do that. We'll make fun of you, but you can do that. Please, if 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 you're a YouTuber, if you if you love YouTube, this is such a cool idea that the guys do. And I've hopped on a couple of these. I don't think anybody's doing these, given the listeners the voice, because initially when the YouTube channel started, we wanted to involve the listeners more and the viewers in that case. Uh, and we've been doing an awesome job. We're slowly uh building a small army a la fight club little minions <laughs> running around we've got sh we've got shooters all over the place so if the other content creators want to talk shit we got we got <laughs> we got a little <laughs> army um but yeah oh i'm just of course i'm kidding but uh, it's true we uh we love our listeners so please jump on the live show it's, it's always fun to to hear you know listeners get mad and yell at us because of something Lucas, you're the man. Uh, I know you're kind of in the background today, but we value you and we love you. Everybody, mm -hmm. um, as always, stay hydrated. Check on your friends and Forza Juve.